Josh and Yasho back for another episode. Yeah, you. yeah. Had a couple guests uh, in between, but uh, you know, another week and back at it. Yeah, we're here again. Let's go. Glad to have you. So this week, I wanted to touch on UBI, okay. and uh, some people they look at me awkward. They're just like, "What's UBI? Like, universal what?" Ding ding uh, ding! I am one of those people. Okay, so uh, when I introduce you to this topic, okay. uh, I was actually introduced maybe a month before. So. UBI stands for Universal Basic Income. So me being more of a conservative-leaning libertarian, uh, my knee-jerk reaction was just like, no, that's not going to work. No, don't give free money. Like, don't expand the welfare state. Like, we don't need that. And uh, after listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, there was an in- uh, a guy made by the name of Andrew Yang. Uh, he's actually running for president. Uh, he's a Democrat, mm-hmm. but he is running on uh, in this. One of his ideas is the universal basic income. I don't think he's coined that idea, but he's really supported that and made it kind of mainstream after that episode. So I made uh, you know a few efforts to kind of learn a little bit more. The podcast was very enlightening as well. I actually have friends that have listened to it and said like, hmm, maybe this is a good idea. What about you after the, hearing that episode? Okay, so after I did watch it, I did a little more homework, uh, like you told me to. Um, Andrew Yang, correct? Correct. Right? Yeah. That is his platform that he's running off of. Correct. Right? He thinks it can solve all these other issues and address a lot of things, and it can. I thought it was really brilliant how he laid it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an interesting concept. The way he kind of plans it out and how he breaks it down is a little different from you know other, other articles I read about this kind of topic. I like his kind of direction he wants to go with it Mm -hmm. i don't think the value or the amount that he wants to distribute to people it would be enough to make a serious impact beside you know paying a handful of bills maybe Mm -hmm. but the fact that it originated from a republican uh, governor in alaska Mm -hmm. i didn't think that was even possible i thought that was brilliant that Mm -hmm. a republican initially started this Mm -hmm. And it worked and people really liked it. And so, you know, I just want to learn more about that because it's like here in California, we are the seventh or, you know, one of the largest economies in the world. I'm not sure which number it is, but just in our state, just in our state, right? Countries. Exactly. So it's like, imagine doing that here. Uh, My first question would be, where do you get the money from? Where are, you, where are you getting money from? You're going to tax us more and then give us money back? Or uh-huh. how does that work? Yeah. So he proposed that this money actually comes from the economy. So we have jobs that are being lost on mm-hmm. one end of the economy, which is going to be uh, lower skill um, type, uh, I guess, sedentary type jobs, not like desk jobs, but truck drivers, yeah. um, retail sales. We have... Uh, um, people that work with uh, manufacturing food, and stuff, yeah, food stuff service, like that. Uh, I guess clerks and stuff with clerical work. Yeah. So uh, what he proposed is that these tech companies that are really siphoning off these re- resources that are pretty much creating the oil, which in Alaska, they created a system where they gave that dividend to the people of Alaska mm-hmm. and it came from oil money. So right. he was proposing that this money actually comes from tech companies that are expanding exponentially and they're reaping all the benefits from this new technology 
And then that's what gets re- redistributed. So right. uh, I know that was part of it. It wasn't going to be like new taxes or anything like that, at least from what I heard. So okay. that was very uh, good to hear. So then he also um, you know, tipped the scales as well. He says that they're saying that it's going to be $3 trillion at least to start a program like this. And he broke it down and he was bringing other caveats where – the waste that we have in certain industries are going to be cut away uh, from automation. So we can, you know, th- those type of uh, uh, benefits will also benefit and simulate the economy elsewhere if we were to do uh, a system like that. So I thought that was really interesting. I haven't done all the, the research into mm-hmm. the numbers, but he's stated that, you know, uh, that it would work. And um, what are your thoughts on, on that? Whole thing? I thought it was brilliant because I can completely see that happening with the advancement of AI and automation in different sources uh, or not different regions of industry. Like the main topic that he was talking about was automated trucks mm-hmm. getting that would basically clear out truck drivers, mm-hmm. which is this country's best way of transporting goods within our borders. Mm-hmm. There are millions of truck drivers out there, right? About five million, he said. Yeah. The fact that you would create an automatic system that would basically get rid of that would affect other economies Mm -hmm. like restaurants, motels, like he said, where these truck drivers stop and rest. Those businesses and those industries will be hurt by this automation because AI doesn't require for them to stop. They'll constantly keep driving. Mm -hmm. Right. So I see where he's getting at where, you know, these small pockets of industries are going to be wiped off the map basically because Mm -hmm. of automatic um, automation and, and AI technology. I mean, we saw this with manufacturing in states like Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, not Detroit, uh, Illinois, I'm sorry, and, and states like Michigan. We see these different advancements. Like when you go to a grocery store now, right? You notice how there are, are self-checkout aisles? Yes. That is an automated system that wasn't there 10 years ago. Correct. Right? Yeah. And it cut the workforce slightly in those grocery uh, stores and in that market, mm-hmm. in the retail industry, food specifically, right? Yeah. They're saying that, and, and Andrew Yang may be saying this too that you know as technology continues to advance we're going to see more jobs like that where it's requiring less education more hands-on work that can be automated Mm -hmm. and that's going to cause people to lose jobs and because people lost their jobs in those markets already you know you hear things where like coal miners out of i think it was like west virginia are now becoming coders and stuff like that Mm -hmm. where as great as that is because you're repurposing these people to become or not become but to continue to contribute to the economy and growth of our nation mm-hmm. you have to think to yourself as a company owner would you rather hire a kid who has less experience but is educated in the topics that of that he needs to be able to do his job yeah. and have less demands and you know doesn't need as much because he's newer to the workforce or are you going to take a guy who's you know a little bit older has health conditions um, has a family to support. Has a family to support. Requires a higher income, uh, and who's relatively newer to this technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you're going to take the college kid because you're trying to run a business. Yeah, that's going to be more cost effective for the owner. Yeah, and so you know, I saw that the the coal miner thing on the Daily Show when it first started happening about four or five months ago. I saw mm-hmm. the the clip of it. I don't know when the episode actually ran, but the fact that that happened, I thought that was great initially, but then after listening to Andrew Yang. Uh, you know, kind of elaborating on like how that's that's not as good as we think it is initially because they're only in the workforce for so long and until they get laid off yeah. or if their coding isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And that affects the overall picture. And I thought that was really well executed because he has a point. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 we re- are, are we 
really going to try and re-educate people who didn't want to get educated in the first place. Yes. So. And that was a very big point, or mm-hmm. yeah, huge point on his part. Like, coal miners aren't going to, I mean, the, the chances of them going into a coding school and then coming out with uh, the skills necessary to actually get a job and, mm-hmm. you know, um, are slim to none. Like, not that they can't do it, but it's just, it, it, it is a total rewiring of how they work. They are working as manual labor, like, you know, that's that's what they're used to instead of sitting at a sedentary job. And um, he also touched on a, an issue where, as far as joblessness for males, mm-hmm. is way more detrimental than with women. They're more adaptable. They belong. They become more involved in their communities. They find some sort of other place where they can actually have a purpose. Right. Now, for men, we usually tend toward destructive behaviors, uh, you know, or self-destructive behaviors, um, you know, uh, isolated behaviors, stuff like that. So oh, yeah. um, those are the dangers that can really, looking at our society, just like tear it down completely. Because if we have, you know, if we have men, uh, I mean, our suicide rate is already climbing, but if it's going to have the joblessness that Adrian Yang is um is saying, then we're going to have a real serious problem on our hands. Absolutely. And it's not to blame AI and the development of technology or anything like that. It's just we're in a transition period in our country where we're facing another technological slash industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. It's not as fast as the last one. It's slowly creeping up on us because we're going to see more automation coming. We're going to see more AI coming. Um, at some point, AI is going to be able to do some of the basic programming that we pay these coders to do now. Yeah, right. strange. Like, like the sophistication that they have, even in the creative world, where I'm working with Adobe Premiere, Audition, and stuff like this, um, they have this program, it's Adobe Sensei, mm-hmm. which uh, they're developing uh, AI to, I guess, fill in the gaps for creative processes and speeding them up. Right. Which, fully for the creative process, you can't fully automate that, but there are instances where AI can really copy stuff and also take images and you know create their own versions of oh, yeah. uh, and of creativity, which is a, a, it's obscene. But um, that type of stuff is going to be easily implemented in you know very automatable um, oh services. Some AI has already gone beyond that. Do you remember the story we read a couple of years ago where their Google AI or uh, I'm pretty sure it's Google AI developed its own language to communicate with other bots in its system to do functions without any human presence. Do you remember that? Uh, I do not remember that. I, I remember that. It, right it was, was mind-blowing. Skynet is coming to kill us. This, this AI program ran through Google, was able to create its own programming language to take all the other languages and all the other signals and functions that all these other programs were doing, it, absorb it, and then communicate to each one perfectly backwards. Hey, go do this. Go do that. This is done. This is how we got to do this, right? Google's already developing that AI. It's Amazon that's developing these, and, and they're probably working with companies like Tesla who's developing these automated uh, driving trucks, mm-hmm. right? Trucking industry is a huge industry in this country, mm-hmm. no doubt. But with the development of further AI, you're going to see more and more things like this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there were stories where Amazon's going to be dropping off packages via drones. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yes. That's becoming a reality soon. I'm mm-hmm. not sure when, but eventually that will. So it's, it's very interesting to see that you know, when we go to school and we go for these jobs, you know, become a programmer, you know, go into uh, accounting or bookkeeping and et cetera, et cetera, little administration jobs here and there. Mm-hmm. 
those might be replaced by AI. Yeah. Right. Bookkeeping and, you know, per, for example, I'm trying to start a fitness company, right? Mm-hmm. I want to work with a company that runs all my API systems and does all my booking and all that stuff and the automated analytics. It's not them doing it. It's the AI they created will do that. Yeah. And that's everything I need. A third of my business is going to be ran by AI. That's something, you know, five, six, maybe 10 years ago, we used to do by hand. Oh, yeah. You had to have a full-time position. You had to have someone there. And now you're paying 10 bucks a month for a service like that. Exactly. So we're going to see more of these kids come out of schools and their jobs that they think they're going to last them, you know, lifetime and career may not be the case in five, six years. So that makes you reevaluate, well, what if the colleges are not teaching the right material or maybe they're not teaching the right curriculum or maybe we should be guiding kids not to be bookkeepers and do these jobs that will eventually be automated in college. Yeah. But you always, we know that education is always 10 years behind. So yeah. once that is a reality, they're still going to be uh, pushing forth like bookkeeping or, mm-hmm. you know, usually it's accounting. But I've even, my father's an accountant and I'm kind of telling him, it's like, why are you still doing all this stuff by hand? Like you can have a program that you pay 90 bucks a month to do all this for you. Oh, yeah. And people not realizing that when you're older, you can kind of just like, you know, you can find a little bit of space to kind of, all right, you know, I can wait this out this long. Let's, you know, um, let's adapt. But for someone that's young, that's coming right out of college and then your skills are absolutely just not valuable at all. Oh Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot to deal with. Exactly. I can't begin to tell you how many kids I know come out of college four year colleges, four year universities. And they get a degree and, you know, they, they work really hard for this degree and then they think, oh, there's a job waiting for them. There's a path to a job and there isn't. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, I saw it a lot in public health. I mean, if you didn't get a job in public health out the gate, you would go to grad school or you would go into medical school or you go into some other schooling because public health did not have, I mean, they always say, UCI does this a lot and I, I, I don't mean to offend anyone, but it's. They always say, oh, the public health department or the public health industry is exploding. It's growing so quickly. But yet it's so hard to get a decent job out of college, yet alone grad school in a public health degree. Mm-hmm. It's just mind-blowing. And with the development of AI, you're going to see that for more and more people in more and more industries in more and more markets. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is that we're actually going back to where these vocation and apprenticeships and all those type of jobs like plumbing and, mm-hmm. you know, these manual labor, high skill, like, you know, nuanced yeah. uh, positions, those are first they pay a lot. And then also the, uh, these are the, going to be the sought after jobs because everyone got to college and got a useless degree and strapped for cash. Like, I mean, these people are going to be raking in the dough. And oh yeah. Exactly. That'll be the new opportunity. But um, going back to Andrew Yang's point is like we have a crisis that is on on the move and it's creeping ever closer and we have to be cognizant of that problem mm-hmm. as we're moving toward it. So uh, back to UBI, um, is it the best way for us to um, have stimulate the economy to where it needs to be, where people can actually have have their lives? And you said you mentioned that a thousand dollars a month, what he proposed is not enough. And I'm not going to ask you for a number, Mm -hmm. but um, I do believe that $1,000 would be one of the first steps and probably a good starting off point. Absolutely. But it's not something that I don't think he wants it to be something that is livable off of. Mm -hmm. It's it's always going to be something that's that's voluntary. You can take it and you can either stimulate the economy. You can use it for rent. You can do whatever you want with it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Now, going into that, there's some dangers for that. So how do you prevent this from going into the black market? Drugs are a big problem already. Opiates, heroin, we have those type of epidemics. How do we make sure that this money does not go into the black market? Some people would say like, oh, we have these cards that can only be used at certain retailers, but then you have people that have cash in hand say like, hey, trade me your card for $700. It's like, great, well, I, I'd rather take the cash. And then... Yeah, um, that's interesting. I actually... This is what I was thinking about. Yeah. Like how... That just seems just like cash where it can just go straight into the black market. Mm. Um, so um, I, I agree with you. Thousand dollars is a great start starting point. Yeah. Um, I think it's 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 a solid number simply because, yeah, it won't make a big impact, but it's not enough to be like to live off. Of, like you said, mm-hmm. So I don't think it, it goes under that that welfare kind of vibe, I guess you can call it or mm-hmm. welfare aspect. You'll use it to drop a couple bills or clear a couple things here and there. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a good question. I never thought of that. You know, how do we prevent that from going into black market? How do we go and prevent that from being spent on things that are illegal or that are detrimental to person uh, person's health, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be some sort of safeguards that are installed. You know, whether the money is given to you via some sort of gift card or not gift card, but a credit card or pre card prepaid card or you know cash in hand or a check written to you. It it I guess it varies. So like. Um, I think if you put it in a check, it would be put into, well, you could cash a check technically, right? So, Yeah, and, and the, those were the things. It's yeah. like, you know, what kind of safeguards? Uh, I'm sure somebody smarter than me can, you know, probably just like, Josh, just, so. just do this. Yeah. But, uh, like, I'm looking at it like cash. I think that very easily what we could do to just totally wipe out uh, cartels and just how they make money mm-hmm. is just change the currency. Instead of greenbacks, we have pinkbacks. And now all of a sudden all their cash is done it's worthless yeah unless they carry it five thousand dollars at a time to the bank but you know then we see <laughs> where this all this money is coming from so right. um i think that would be a good idea for that but maybe a changing system where it's like all right every month it's a different type of currency i don't i'm, I'm not sure i'm trying to find solutions but right. it, it's just a, it's a question that kind of needs to be addressed but i do like the idea yeah yeah um i definitely think it's an inter- a great idea um, because the way he kind of explained it on the Joe Rogan experience is that, you know, we're going to give these people this money and then they're going to try and stimulate the economy. And Joe kind of basically said, how are they going to do that? Like, well, they're going to spend it on things that they're going to buy, which eventually goes back into the economy that feeds mm-hmm. into these businesses that sell products, which generate sales tax and et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I like that he made that point. I like that he broke it down and explained it because if someone just said, oh, we're going to give everyone in America a thousand dollars a month. I'd be like, you're insane. There's no, there's no need for that. Mm-hmm. And then when he break, when he broke it down, it made sense. So as to how we regulate that, you know, you can't really control what people spend their money on anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they will be able to be creating safeguards in that regards. Uh, maybe you know there'll be a system where it's like, oh, if you've been, you know, charged with drug overdose or drug possession or whatever, some sort of crime, and that you have a record of that, you will not be eligible for that. But then. You know, those are the most hard hit uh, individuals because, you know, somebody that just committed or came out of prison. Now they can't get the freedom dividend. They can't get a job because first they went in having an automated or job that was automated. And now he can't get a job because he doesn't have the skills. 
I mean, and then that's the, just a, yeah. yeah, the, the cycle. So, just so it's maybe that maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So but, yeah, and, and these are the it, like at face value that knee jerk reaction. Like first of all, I was just like, oh, it's welfare. No. And then he broke it down a little bit, and I was like, okay, you're starting to convince me a little bit. And then yeah. I was just like, all right, now I need to start hitting like the weak points. Like where are they? How is this going to be used? Because as far as um, as as far as welfare programs in, in general. Um, with um, I think it's the EBT cards. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not as well versed as I should be on, on this, but uh, that's only used at, at certain stores, mm-hmm. so something like that. But then I have heard of people actually trading that for cash. So they'll oh, they'll, yeah. they'll you know pay somebody. They're just like, all right, you know, can I get cash back? Usually mm-hmm. it's less than what the card is valued at. Yeah. And um, you know that cycle continues. So, um, yeah, I mean. <laughs> This is just some issues that, like, you know, these are threats that are um, going to hit our economy very, very hard. And um, that's true. But I don't think it will be a negative impact on the economy. If it, if it kind of goes the way he's planned it out, Andrew Yang, then I think it actually will boost the economy. Oh, I, I meant um, the, the issue of automation. Like, it can't oh, hit sorry, these sorry, sorry. Yes. if we don't have something to oh, yeah. uh, to help. Um help people when, when they're down exactly so. and i think ubi is a great start mm-hmm. um but you're absolutely right the the development and continued growth of of this automation kind of movement we're in is going to continue to hit the economy we're not going to see it right away mm-hmm. right and that's kind of what he was saying like you're not going to notice the impacts right now you're going to see it maybe three four years ago mm-hmm. you know you're going to you're going to see truck drivers getting pushed out of the out of the job market you're going to see uh uh, cashier clerks being pushed out of the mar- uh, job industry or job market, and so it's like, at some point, a lot of these things are going to be automated, and a lot of these people are going to start hurting. And it's everyone kind of looks around and says, "Well, what happens next? Like, what do we do?" Right? Yeah. So it's like you can't go to tech companies and say, "Oh, don't create this anymore. You stop." Right? We don't have a solution. And that was one of the things they, they like truck drivers were going to say. Well, if they're going to take my job, then make it illegal. Yep, and which is very strange because uh, I'm sure that uh, you know you had that with anything else in, in the economy, they'd probably say something different. So exactly, um, this is the future. We just need to adjust. It's just moving at such an incredible rate. Oh yeah, uh, like we've touched on um, in a previous episode. So um, um, I mean, there are some other points uh, on UBI. Was there anything that kind of stood out? Uh, um. Also- I, li- I like how it, he suggested that UBI starts at the age of 18, right? Because he touched on colleges and how what we were kind of discussing before, when you leave college, if there's no clear pathway, was college worth going to, mm-hmm. right, for a job? So, for example, if a kid who's 18 – and by the way, when you receive this this $1,000, if you're already getting government sub, um, subsidies and government like program – uh, welfare kind of programs it's not on top of that it's just to ensure that you're going to be capped at that thousand dollars from what i understand yeah right so for the kid who's who's 18 years old who who doesn't want to go to college or who does want to college a thousand dollars a month is 12 grand a year that pays for a significant chunk of your college tuition yeah. mm-hmm. right but if you don't go to college it's not enough to live off of but it's a good start to create a business right you get a couple of your buddies together and now you have a solid amount of money and cash flow coming in where you could create a new business be an entrepreneur and that's something he really touched on because we don't have a lot of entrepreneurs here yeah um we see you know these big giant tech companies come out of nowhere and we think oh entrepreneurs are doing great here in america 
True, but out of the 330 million Americans, there's a small percentage of them that are actually entrepreneurs that are yeah. making big impacts. A lot of businesses fold, yeah. right? So with with these 18-year-old kids who are getting these these $1,000 checks, if they were to get this, right, it, it gives them that opportunity to go out and explore and try and create something to create a new market, a new industry, to become an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And this $1,000 gives them that freedom to do that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's interesting to see how he kind of broke that down and to see if that actually would work. Yeah. You know, like you were saying before, there are plumbers in our country who make six figures. Yeah. They didn't go to college, yeah. but they make more than the kids who do go to college sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I think that's brilliant. Uh, I know guys who who work for you know waste management companies oh yeah they waste don't man, like yeah yeah they do very well for themselves <laughs> yes. and yet they literally went to high school i know three of them that dropped out of high school and did that mm-hmm. and they make more money than i do yeah so it's it's nuts yeah and i think it's very interesting because you'll have those people that you know they go into those useless majors not not a term that i have but mm-hmm. um they go in they're just like oh i want to study liberal arts and all that stuff so yeah. they get out of college they can't get a job what do they do? So with, you know, a thousand dollars can really help them kind of find their way. It's not in a perfect world that would go to a business that they want to, you know, strive for, or that goes into any type of study that they, you know, want to continue after that. Um, also with, uh, creative, uh, fields, uh, buying equipment, uh, expression of your art, all that stuff, uh, that'll help with that. Now, with that perfect world, you really have to look. I'm kind of looking at human nature and how we act today. Mm. Now, we have people that are struggling and they tend to self destructive behaviors. You have heroin, uh, opiates, which is which the health industry is, is or I guess the medical industry is uh, primarily the, to blame for that. But you have these people that are down and out. They're homeless. They live in these big cities and are they still eligible to get these these dividends? Because that's just going to be self fulfilling prophecy. They're going to keep doing it. They're going to you know we're going to see suicide and overdose rates skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Um, how we got to kind of look at that as a huge threat to um, what, what we're trying to accomplish. Because really we're just we want people to live their best life and right. you know be able to provide for their families. Um, but are, is that really going to ail that by giving free money? Or you know. So I used to live in uh, downtown LA, only like two streets away from Skid Row in Little Tokyo, right? Mm-hmm. So my question for that would be, you know, if you execute this plan, UBI becomes a thing, and we start doling out $1,000 to everyone in the country, right? My question is, how do you give a homeless person $1,000? Where's the mailing address? No, right? Do you just send someone with a bunch of checks? These people don't have bank accounts to a shelter and say, mm-hmm. just pass them out. That person's going to get jumped for all those checks mm-hmm. or cash or whichever you distribute. Yeah. So, you know, those people who are there, a lot of them are there because they're, you know, they have, they're either homeless or they're addicts and they become homeless. Yeah. And, you know, when I used to do clinics out there, I would see that, mm-hmm. you know, I would see patients with just horrible, horrible conditions. And, it would make me think like there has to be a way to help them. There has to be something I can do, right? But then when you see programs like, or when you hear programs like UBI, it's like, well, how do you distribute to the homeless communities? How do you distribute that to the people who are living on the streets who don't have a mailing address, who don't have bank accounts, mm-hmm. right? So maybe because those people aren't getting those funds, then you won't have that continual repeated habit of buying drugs and into the black market. Mm-hmm. I just thought that might be a connection. 
right? Just now. Because we asked before, how do we prevent this money going into black markets? Well, if these people who are in the black markets, who continuously feed into the system, who don't have bank accounts, who don't have mailing addresses, they may not be able to get the funds, thus they may not be able to put it into the black market. Well, but I feel like well, there's well, some saying, way they'll figure it out. Yeah, because with a thousand dollars, like I mean, that's if they get a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's not just homeless people that do drugs. Right. Yeah. So all this, you know, it could be for firearms. It could be to hire a hitman. Like you know, correct. To take take care of a uh, you know Ronnie at work. Like you know, you just hate <laughs> that guy. And yeah, and also with that, uh, if you had somebody or. You had a steward like the Red Cross mm-hmm. that got all those checks and then tried to use that those funds to aid the homeless. Ninety eight percent of that is going to administrators. Yep. Two percent is going to the people that actually help them. So like now you have a whole nother business yep. of actually raking in these. That's why you can't dividends. you can't give it to companies like that. You can't give it to another. You have to give it to the individual. And in that regards, for people who don't have a mailing address or a way to distribute to them, mm-hmm. the question goes out the window. Yeah, and that's and that's where like my libertarian in me comes out is because big government should shouldn't have a say in what I do with my life. But yeah. <laughs> is there a point where the government is enabling? Where I, I believe, in to some extent, welfare is can be an enabler. For um, you know some of the ills in our in some communities, I would say first like the black community, uh, there is an incentive for uh, black women to be single mothers rather than to have a, a husband in, in or a man in the house okay. in general. So uh, there is an incentive there to have a detrimental effect on the community, and then as a whole, we've seen the decline in, in those communities. Mm-hmm. We've seen in like the sixties and seventies when uh, manufacturing jobs were huge. You had black families that were in, intact. We were doing well. We had, um, you know, uh, middle class families moving, make make the American dream work. Right. And then we just completely wiped that out. Obviously because of the economy, but also and then you know you had these incentives of hey let's uh, let's have these single moms married to the government, not actually uh, to find support. Right. Not. I mean. I, I never knew that. That's 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 insane. That's, that's, that's I wow. guess that's one of um, I guess one of the views of the causes of the decline in um in the African American community. Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, I never knew that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah like places like L. A. and all that stuff. It used yeah. to be middle class uh, neighborhoods, and now they're ghettos. Mm-hmm. So. Um, uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So back to UBI. I mean. <clears throat> There's there's so much to say about this where it's 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 so complex and it's so it it can have so many different applications and both positive and negative right depending on how the person uses that money it's just interesting to see where you know Andrew Yang kind of said hey this is where we're getting it from you know by I don't know if he was he said he was in a tax or get money from tech companies or larger corporations like that how the the Alaskan government or the Alaskan state government got the money from the oil companies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of interested. I was I thought that was really interesting that he was pulling from there because you know he he even said like oh there are years where Amazon says oh we don't make any money we didn't make any money this year so we don't have to pay any taxes. Yeah, I find that ridiculous that they can say that like yeah. Amazon and Google and those kind of companies can actually say that it's like you're one of the biggest companies on the planet how did you not make a profit? 
Exactly. I think they they tack it on to their R and D department, and yeah. um, and I think that's complete bull. I'm sorry, but that's ridiculous. Well, I think I think I just heard like the number was like twenty two billion uh, or twenty two hundred twenty billion. Like I, I'm, I mean, I may be putting my foot in my mouth right now, but uh, all that to go to R and D. Like, what are you spending on? Like a huge blimp to send drones out? Like even then, I think that's a lot less than two hundred twenty billion. Oh yeah. And um, it's probably their space program. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, th- that would be legit, right? But uh, what is it? I think it's uh, Elon Musk, uh, the guy Jeff with, Boza. Je- was that? It's Jeff Boza, Elon Musk, and uh, the guy who owns Virgin Records, Richard yeah, something. Richard Bran- Branson. Branson. I think Richard so. Branson. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're just like, oh, he's a porn star. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Not Ron Jeremy, okay, man. Not Ron Jeremy. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, those space the space programs for you, you, those are well known, but right. for Amazon, I think it's just to get everything in one day. Like, get mm-hmm. that package, get it to them in one day, take it off the shelf, just mm-hmm. and fulfill. I don't think that's taking two hundred twenty billion now. That's that's some you know accounting you know like little. They found some loopholes and they found some way to tuck it away. But I absolutely agree with you. There's no way that they're making you know that kind of money and saying, "Hey, we didn't make a profit, so you can't charge us a tax. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not going to pay taxes on this because we didn't make any money." I'm sorry. There's no way that man became the richest man on the planet and be who he is if his company did not make profits. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah, and what they say is that uh, they make like less than a penny. Off of every transaction. Exactly. And, but they make so many that they can, you know. It just feeds the fire. Yeah. But what was interesting, what Andrew Yang said was that, you know, these people, these companies, they're going to say, hey, why are, you, why are we paying this tax? Or, you know, if we have to pay this tax, you know, it's going to hurt our companies to an extent. But yes and no, because those people who, you know, those tech companies and these these large corporations that, you know, will have to pay these taxes to kind of feed UBI, the people who get the UBI money will go and buy other things they'll go and buy things which will ultimately be from those giant tech companies or those yeah. giant companies which goes back into them so yeah you're shaving a little money off the top and it's going to get fed back into the system because people are going to go buy more products you know that may not be everyone but that'll be a significant percentage of those people who are under ubi mm-hmm. and i think in that regards that's how he explained it's going to stimulate the economy economy sorry because you're constantly buying and uh redistributing and you're constantly buying again and you're creating more sales tax and you're generating and you're feeding into the system that way mm-hmm. and in that regard you are going to stimulate the economy you are going to create more things that way um so i think it's interesting that he's like well you're going to take money from those larger corporations like amazon like google and you're going to be able to fund those these kind of programs like ubi and then they're going to just feed back into the into these companies because people are going to buy things and buy services and pay off bills and debt or if they're able to pay off debt with that kind of money yeah you know what i mean like it's it's gonna help move things forward and i think that's what he really was advocating when he said this is how ubi is going to be generally good for us because it moves everything slightly forward yeah and in that regards i think he's absolutely right um it's a great concept i just i need a little more time to Learn more about it, I guess. Yeah, yeah and I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at it from, uh, I guess, 
an open mind, but I'm really looking at it a home lens where I'm, I'm just trying to nitpick at all, all the holes that I, I see. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I see, I think that we have such a altruistic view, and I've kind of mentioned this before, but we have an altruistic view on how people interact with each other and how they treat their money. I think for the most part, financial literacy is one of the problems in America, and it also leads to people being paycheck to paycheck. We have a very, mm-hmm. um, I mean, consumerism or, uh, yeah, uh, consumerism, just buying everything that you can with your paycheck is rampant through, that's our culture. Yes. Like if you have it, you buy it. So um, having this, you have people that are struggling paycheck to paycheck and their standard of living goes up with that $1,000. Now they're living paycheck to paycheck again. And that really doesn't prepare them for, an un, or a un, unforeseen emergency mm-hmm. like and i think andrew yang he said like uh you know a uh, large statistic of americans can't even um afford a 500 dollar emergency uh, bill bill no you're absolutely right i don't think they could either yeah so even education would have to be on top of that like financial literacy how do we how do you care for this money and use it to where you actually want to do it because mm-hmm. I'm sure like, you know, the first time you get that, that check and you may spend it on shoes, but then the next month, like you're a little strapped for cash. And then, you know, what do you do then? So it's maybe, maybe it's not preparing Americans on how to plan financially correctly. Maybe it's teaching Americans restraint, maybe a little self-control. Don't go buy those thousand dollar pair of shoes. Don't go drop your money, 40, 50, 60 bucks on makeup. You know, have that little self-control. You know, you could save that money. Mm-hmm. You know, say if you, you pay your credit card bills with the $1,000, right? A couple hundred bucks here. Or even if your credit card bill is $1,000, mm-hmm. right? On top of what you're already bringing in and whatever you're doing now, you're still paying your credit card bills. But you have that extra $1,000, tuck it away. Yeah. Put it away. You know, use a, a couple hundred bucks for little things you need here and there. I get that. Yeah. Right. But ultimately, you could save that money and eventually let it accumulate over time. If it's every month. I mean, what are you spending that you're spending that much immediately? I mean, if that means like I, I get a lot of people's perspective when they say they're living paycheck to paycheck. I used to live like that for a certain amount of time myself. Right. I would control my spending, though, to live within my means. Mm-hmm. Americans, you know, a lot of Americans do that more. So the younger generation needs to learn that as well. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So like you hear stories of these kids like, OK, uh, viewers, I went to Clyde's Hot Chicken today in Fullerton and uh, it was great food. Fire right. <laughs> but Fire. there was a kid next to me rocking Supreme shoes. And I know how much those shoes go for on the market. They're way more than what they cost to be made. And they look like knockoff Yeezys and someone just slapped the sticker Supreme on them. Mm-hmm. Is that really worth three, four hundred bucks? A pair of shoes like that? If you can afford it. But I'm sure that. He right? spent his whole paycheck on it. Exactly. Yeah. But is it necessary? No. 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 You could use that money to do something else. Yeah. And then that goes back to my point. It's just how do we change culture like that? Yeah. Like it's, education was probably where we can start, but you're not mm-hmm. going to all of a sudden tell marketers like, hey, you got to stop selling your bullshit. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can't be telling these kids that they need Yeezys in order to get that girl. You can't tell these girls that they got to be skinny like this or have a fat booty to get that dude you you need to calm that down like we're not going to do that no because it's, we it's, look nope. i mean look at our even our tax returns mm-hmm. what happens when a millennials get their tax return they spend it on coachella to get herpes i mean yeah what was that 250 <laughs> <laughs> i mean you had 
250,000 people. Uh, I don't know if that that's was hilarious. I'm not gonna lie. I'm so sorry. Right? That's so yeah, funny. I mean, <laughs> imagine being that dude. Just like, yeah, tax return. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna pay my credit card debt. I'm gonna spend on Coachella. And, and then, then next get- <laughs> next week he's in the ER, the uh, urgent care with herpes. With herpes, and then they're like, "Here's your bill," and it's like, "Wait, what?" Like, <laughs> I didn't foresee this $500 emergency. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that's and, insane. Uh, yeah, and uh, so to think that we can give dole out money and have that spent where we want, and I don't think Andrew Yang is. Uh, um, saying that we can control that but mm-hmm. uh, I think that a lot more of the money is not going to go the places that we want it to and I have a feeling that that might be an issue um, and I think you're right in that regards but you like you said before you can't control what people spend their money on mm-hmm. right at some point they're going to learn either when they go bankrupt or when they don't yeah. but they're going to have to figure it out and yes, we will have to, ed- oh, I hate to say we're going to have to educate people on how to spend money, but at some mm-hmm. point we might have to. Re-education training. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah. And <laughs> I just, that's where I feel skeptical. Like you can't throw money at a problem unless you know what the repercussions are going to be. I like trying things out. Like I'm a marketer. Mm-hmm. Like we throw money at stuff that doesn't work all the time, but there is some sense of, all right. At least we know where the money's going and where we need to learn from. I feel that you, may, you have the government take care of anything. <laughs> Maybe it's giving out checks. I mean, the IRS seems good enough to do that right now. But you're taking it from corporations and you're handing out to individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's just a recipe for disaster. <laughs> I I mean there's an immense opportunity from how he's selling it but it could be just hellfire just like okay mm-hmm. where is this money going oh it's all in Mexico and these guys are living high on the <laughs> I just I don't know like I when I when I listened to Joe Rogan talk about it with Andrew Yang and I, I read a couple articles after that I, I still think Andrew Yang had the best explanation it made the most sense to me it did yeah um and it's an interesting concept. Like I, I was thinking about it all day, and I was like, "This is, it's not like really welfare because you can't live off that thousand dollars a month. Like, you could be in the most rural neighborhood in the country, and maybe that will cover rent, mm-hmm. right? Plus whatever living expenses you have. So it, it, it's, if we can somehow inspire people to do things with this money instead of buying things, yeah, right." Obviously, you're going to have to change the culture, like you said, right? Yeah. But if you can encourage people to actually do something with it versus actually just spending it on shoes or, God forbid, drugs or anything like that, right? We could see society progress forward. Mm-hmm. We can move the conversation forward. And I think that's ultimately what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when we were listening to the rest of the podcast, the other things he touched base on was, like, education, was uh, mandatory minimums and stuff like that. And, you know, um, border safety and control. And he kind of touched base on that, too. And it made sense. But the fact that he's running his, I, I'm assuming, his most of his campaign off this one platform is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Because with this, you can kind of divvy on and touch on a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And he's trying to solve tons of problems with this. He's not just yes. like, oh, hey, let's throw money at people and all free stuff like all these other candidates. Like, oh, yeah, free health care, free education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get reparations for slavery, this, that, and the other thing. It's like... This guy is saying, like, okay, we have 
a suicide problem, we have a drug problem, we have education problem, we have just economies broken, like, or it's running good now, but like the economy is going to go broke. Yeah. How do we solve all these problems? This is my idea. And then I, I do like that out of the box thinking. I do appreciate that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's because he spent time in Iowa, New Hampshire, like he kind of mentioned, and he got to actually talk to people who have been affected by this, who were truck drivers who lost their jobs, who are going through a really rough time right now. And he's talked to manufacturers. He's talked to other distributors who are facing this issue because their parts of their business and their industry are being automated. And, you know, it kind of reminded me of, of something that I saw when I was in high school a lot. And they, uh, it was a huge ordeal uh, outsourcing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This yeah. is just the next step. We mm-hmm. don't have to outsource, any, outsource anymore. We simply just automate, automate it. Yeah. And call centers, that was the next thing he was going to say. We mm. already have automated call centers, but all of us at home click zero, zero and press the button to get a human yeah. on the phone. Uh-huh. Eventually, that will be wiped off yeah. with automation, right? Because he wants to tell the difference. Yeah, right? And I'm an Indian guy. I used to get all the jokes all the time. Like, oh, I called your cousin at Microsoft, <laughs> but it was in India. But when I went to India, I actually called the calls. I actually went to a call center in India and I saw the towers there. It was really cool. Um, I didn't go inside, which I kind of wish I did now. But mm-hmm. that all is gone with automation. That All of that is gone. Where Americans fear like, oh, they're sending our jobs overseas. The call center jobs are going overseas in five, six years. That's not going to be a problem anymore. Yeah. You're just not going to have the job, period. Mm-hmm. It's going to be gone. Yeah. So what are you going to do with those people? Yeah. You know, so this is becoming more of a more of a reality and it's going to become more of a problem as we continue to develop. And on top of that, we have uh, foreigners that are coming in the country, getting their education, then mm-hmm. taking that knowledge to their own country and starting businesses. Yep. So our intellectual... Um, I guess I don't want to say intellectual um, but talent as far as capital and uh, intellectual property. I guess right. you'd say um, all that power is getting leached off. Right. And once we lose that, as as far as a superpower, mm-hmm. we lose our value, and then that's where America doesn't really have the same place that they once did. Right. Uh, in well, in the world, you and I used to do recruiting, and a lot of our friends in our and the company we used to work with was tech recruiting. Mm-hmm. How many guys did you place? I, I because I never did tech recruiting. I did construction recruiting. How many guys did you place were from a different country? I mean, who the top went to who went to Silicon Valley? Uh, yeah, they're. I've been to Silicon Valley. I know yeah. a lot of people out there. None of them are from this country. They're mm-hmm. all immigrants. Yeah. They're top tier guys. Yeah, you know how I know the, the best talent was always. They're coming from uh, other yeah. countries, and you know what? I know guys who are immigrants here who have over thirty patents with these large large conglomerate companies u.s patents that they developed in this country and they stay here so yeah they do which is good yeah yeah, it's good they do go back to their home country to an extent but you go to silicon valley you go to silicon beach you go to um the tech hubs in chicago atlanta new york all of those not all but majority of those guys are from immigrant families or they're immigrants themselves so you know we are seeing the immigrants kind of having an impact on our technological advancement, mm-hmm. sure. But when our AI is squeezing out some of the more, I guess you say, American-rooted jobs, like truck driving, like call centers, like certain industries in manufacturing and, and development and stuff like that are being squeezed out because automation, Yeah, Americans are losing their jobs, people are, are and that's going to affect the economy. Yeah, it, I mean, competition, that, that's what... 
the USA, we push all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, this is kind of an insensitive statement, but right. I mean, we have a bunch of pressures. We have, we're saying that uh, illegals south of the border are taking our jobs. Not at not the type of jobs that we, as a, as a whole, mm-hmm. has a pressure of. But you know they are taking some jobs. They're suppressing certain uh, jobs and wages. But uh, on the other hand, you have AI. They're sweeping in. They're taking jobs, mm-hmm. and those are actually you know out of high school, high school uh, graduates that oh, yeah. uh, usually walk into once they graduate. Then you have foreign foreigners that are taking these high level jobs, which mm-hmm. that's where. The huge demand is are those top level data scientists, data mm-hmm. um, data engineers. Um, I mean, data in general is just like, oh, a any huge kind field. of STEM. Yeah, you know your science, technology, uh, engineering, and uh, mechanics. Yeah, well, except right? for radiology. <laughs> except for radiology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know what's funny though? Um, so I just thought of this: if if the demand for high paid jobs are like you have your different jobs, right? Your your high educated jobs, your little to very no education jobs mm-hmm. and then your AI is attacking the lower tier right you're seeing more AI go to those lower inc- or lower educated jobs mm-hmm. and then you have the immigrants and you know those high educating people going for those top tier jobs and the you know people who are kind of in the middle are losing out right yeah I remember seeing this a couple months ago there's a machine in Europe that can pick vegetables Straight oh, they, up. They, oh, they Do you remember know, seeing that? They know um, exactly when they're ripe and everything. Exactly. And can... So there's a machine. It's like a little, it looks like a wagon with a giant pitchfork and it has like a robotic arm and it has a camera built into the palm mm-hmm. of what would be the robotic arm and it takes a photo and it moves around the fruit or uh, I think in this case the demo was a bell pepper Yeah. and it tells when it's ripe and it literally picks it mm-hmm. and it just goes down the line. And this garden, it's um, it's one of those indoor farms. You know what I mean? Uh, hydroponics. Hydroponic farms. Yeah. yeah. And it just goes to that. It runs 24 hours a day, requires very ma- minimal maintenance. Mm-hmm. If machines like that keep coming up more and more, we're going to see the decline in all the other industries that are low education requirement, yeah. like farming, which happens to be the staple of our economy. Mm-hmm. Agriculture is the biggest industry, one of the biggest industries in our country right now. We're the breadbasket of the world. But what happens when AI seems to run our tractors for us and our processings? I would say that a lot of the farming jobs in general have always been in jeopardy because you have farmers. Uh, my father's a farmer, very poor um, when he grew up. Now, most farmers are pushed out because they are corporate uh, corporate entities. Like yeah. you, have, you have these huge farms, a lot of money behind it, and then they just they just grow, grow, grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think farming is a little bit less because you still. Uh, you, I mean you always have one person operating that big tractor that's going down like yeah that those can be automated that's one you know job but which is important right but um from what andrew yang was saying that like it was like 40 some percent are like very foreseeable jobs that are going to be automated mm-hmm. that's 40 percent of the workforce like that that was insane to me oh yeah and i mean the pressure for uh, our skilled and paid jobs is so um, so rough, like coming from the bottom. Like, you know, we need to fill up these these higher education jobs. But, I mean, our education system's pretty broken. They, they don't educate us the way that we need to to have exactly. the skills to do that. Um, and also, it's, it's very new. Like, most of these tech jobs are very new and not a lot of experiences out there. We yeah. have, um, I mean, computer vision and... Uh, 
um, you know, that computer science type major is very new for schools. And right. I, I remember that was my little niche I was trying to carve out in tech. I was just like, oh, I'm kind of like AI and all that stuff, computer vision. And I mean, trying to find a candidate was just like, like, they're like, what? Like computer vision, what is that? <laughs> I mean, it was so hard because all these companies were maybe a year old. So right. it was low hanging fruit for me. I was like, oh, I got a new client. But oh, yeah. There was no one out there, so mm-hmm. trying to place that was was extremely hard. I think the one guy I placed in tech, uh, he was from local university near their school. I reached out to their the computer science program there. I talked to a counselor. I'm like, hey, who's your best kid who wants to go work for a tech company? You know, who wants more experience and pay? And I think within two days, I placed the guy. And it wasn't for a lot of money. He wasn't at, the the company wasn't asking for a lot of money, but they were asking for more skill sets that were, they were learning in school. Mm-hmm. They wanted to train someone from the ground up. Basically, they wanted yeah. to build him. So it's like, all right, cool, no problem. But then when I moved over to the construction department in our company, and I used to recruit for them, they didn't care about college education. Mm-hmm. They were like, yeah, find me a guy who can pour concrete and do tilt up construction and rebar, and I need him to have ten years experience. I'm looking for a guy who's salt of the earth. You know, he's got roughs. Like, tr- like, just beat up hands, grilling on his face, and probably a mustache, and says <laughs> he has like that that slick attitude where it's like, uh, hey, can you send me a picture with your yeah, like he's like so. talking smack, he's like you'll talk smack and put a grin on your face at the same time, like those kind of guys, mm-hmm. you know, those those old school kind of guys, and I knew a lot of them in the industry, so I, I reached out to a lot of them, and I re- I would spend an hour on the phone with these guys, learning everything I can about them, because I had so many clients that would want overlapping skills that I would just send six or seven guys that were perfect and they would pick one and that was it, right? We don't see, I never found, I never placed a guy who was under 36, I think the age was. Yeah. Everyone was over 36 and over. A lot of my guys that I placed were in their 40s or 50s. Yeah. Like they have been doing construction for over 20 years kind of mentality, right? Which is strange. I mean, after 2009, I mean, it was rough. Oh yeah. Like there was nothing being built. I mean, that, I've, I've saw tons of companies we're making hand over fist, like multimillionaires yeah. that were done yeah. in a blink of an eye. And AI can't replace those kind of jobs for pouring concrete or building structures. They can't do that just yet. Mm-hmm. So why aren't we pushing kids or college or high school students to go into those industries? You don't need to go to college for that stuff. Yeah. Just start young. Get that internship. School, get that apprentice program. School like they are, they, they don't even know. They're looking at it and they're just like, okay, this is what we teach. This is our bread and butter. We're working off the equity of our name. We don't need to change. Yeah. And then what happens is, is then like 10 years after all this happens, then people start, stop enrolling into their school. Yep. Then they start to have like, okay, like what do we do in order to fix this? Mm-hmm. And then, then by that time it's too late. Either there's other schools that are created by like you know just an entrepreneur that says like hey here's a niche in the market i think education that that niche we've covered that but um yeah it's uh it's uh it's I kind of lost my train of thought there Uh, it's 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 all good it's all good so go back to ubi okay it can work to an extent it can work right how you actually distribute that's a conversation for another day but the concept itself if it really goes according to what Andrew Yang was saying in his plan, I, I can see it actually moving things forward. And ultimately, that's what everyone wants. You want to keep the conversation going, but you want to move it forward. You want to advance society, you have to move everything forward, mm-hmm. right? Increase the economy, fix this, work on this, do a little bit of that, 
right? You're kind of dabbling on a little bit of everything with this one topic because it affects a little bit of everything. Yeah. Right. So that in itself is a great thing to do. And like he said on his on his his interview with Joe Rogan, I don't care. Like if I didn't run, if I didn't win the election, but I was able to get other big time politicians to bring up this conversation and to have this topic and bring this into the light and say, hey, this is something that might work. I'm okay with that. Yeah. The fact that he said that and he is a presidential candidate, I won me over. Yeah. I'm not. Maybe I'm. I'm probably not going to vote for the guy. But I was just like, that's something that no other candidate can say. As as far as Democrats go, he's the only guy that I'd even be interested uh, in even <laughs> looking at. But uh, you know, I, I don't want to be a hard writer or left. But uh, uh, it's too early to it, look it, at candidates right now for me. At least his ideas. I mean, he has another idea where one percent of your uh, taxes you could choose to go to uh, a cause that you you know want to have fixed. So like whether it be to fix climate change or mm-hmm. to uh, clean up your streets or oh, yeah. you know stuff like that. So I um, I like that idea as well. So um, I mean, the guy has some you know different ideas and yeah. they're not really going to be mainstream. But it's it's worth taking a look at. He was he was very interesting to hear. Like to hear him talk and kind of really get into his mindset it was it was really interesting i I haven't seen a candidate like that in a long time Uh, real numbers guy a real numbers guy i like that um you don't see a lot of that in candidates you know i've seen (laughs) camilla harris i've seen bernie sanders uh i I mean all the top ones right now like joe biden i've seen all their stuff before they're career politicians this guy stands out this guy stands out like he was kind of saying like he's the complete opposite of donald trump or he's the democratic version of an anti-Trump and I'm trying to think like what do you mean he's like well this guy's not a career politician he's an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and he's just throwing out numbers that are facts and they're actually really good and they're making sense and he's making points with everyone and it's like this guy has something to say and I want to hear it now you mm-hmm. know what I mean like it's yeah. it's very captivating I guess you can say yeah and, and he backs it up with numbers I mean he's done his research I haven't and uh, <laughs> you know I, I don't want to save it like I, I just you know I, I like to to poke and prod at it because mm-hmm. I like what I like face value. I like it. Oh yeah. Um, so w- what you're saying is pushing things forward, having that silver bullet that solves different problems. Like we need people like that. That'll think like that. So exactly. Um, yeah, I think this, um, something that we can kind of take a look at. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the, uh, automation kind of stuff, you know, what we're really seeing in it now and what we'll see in the future of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of mentioned radiation or radiology, and I don't know if viewers don't understand this or picked up on that, but what Josh was kind of saying before is that the AI that's used in radiology departments now, when you look at an x-ray, it's different shades of gray, right? Mm-hmm. An x-ray basically looks at the density of the, of the structure that's being viewed i think when you said shades of gray i think uh some girls well you know okay okay (laughs) now get your head out of the gutters boy all right so so basically what it is is uh the human eye can only process so many different shades of gray to tell the different levels of density within the x-ray ai does that on a much higher scale it can recall much more uh, a lot more previous x-rays to compare and contrast right data sets versus a doctor who can do maybe a thousand x-rays in his head an ai computer can probably do over a million Mm-hmm. Right. The fact that they that AI can actually analyze and kind of just see the better picture. Yeah. You want that technology, right? You do. But it also you don't it want it because it displaces people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you want to take your good and your bad. But it's like, do you look really at that. Want this? He was a radiologist. <laughs> <laughs> what a bum. And now he's sitting, now he's my barista. <laughs> 
At least I had a had a job that actually mattered. <laughs> I'm a plumber. <laughs> I still got a job, doctor. What about you? Yeah, and I, I think that's cool, though. Like, you have these, you know, plumbers and all these other jobs, like waste management, like all these people that would, like, shit on them and say, like, oh, well, you, you do that? Like, these dirty jobs? Oh, yeah. And, you know, now they got the, they got all the chips. Like, they're, they're oh, yeah. holding all of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to see more and more people have this effect on them where they're leaving or they're affected by this AI, I guess you can say revolution or evolution and they're being pushed out of the job market. But you see the guys who are more hands-on experience, who have that more blue collar work mentality or that mm-hmm. position stay in the job market because yeah. their jobs haven't been automated yet. Mm-hmm. And they're going to sit back and say, look at us now. Right. It's it's exactly what you were saying. But it's interesting to see that because with more development in AI and with more development in technology itself, I just I'm curious to see what else is going to be automated. You know, I haven't really looked into it too much, but like if trucks and cars are going to be automated, trains might be next. Planes already have autopilots, but you still need a pilot. Mm -hmm. Right. Trains seem like something very easy. To automate, right? Like, I feel uh, like that would be a next version of transportation. That yeah, could camera be in the front, camera in the back. Like, you know, oh, just yeah. make sure that nobody's I, crossing the tracks. I know like, there are some boats, like large shipping containers and shipping, or yeah, I guess there are shipping containers and like oil rigs and stuff oil like rigs, that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, they're automated too, to an extent, and I know they're working on the the part where they're able to park the boat into the port. Oh man! So it's like. That's another industry that a lot of countries like our own depend on. Yeah. There's so many ports along our coastline, LA port, Long Beach port, you know, the New York ports, Chicago, et cetera, et cetera, you know, right? Shorman. Uh, the thing that, yeah. yeah Shorman, people, the port authority people, like all of those people that organize those ports and who work on those docks will be affected by that. Oh, yeah. And they, they have, have tons of strikes all the time about wages. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it's it's going to be interesting to see that how as technology develops, we're going to see more and more of these people getting cut from the workforce yeah. because their jobs, not only are they just being laid off or because, you know, it's it's more cost effective to have AI. The jobs simply just don't exist for humans anymore. Mm-hmm. They're being replaced by machines. Yeah. And as much as we celebrate these giant tech corps, shouldn't we ask them to have some sort of moral responsibility? If you're creating a an AI or a program or something that gets rid of someone's job, what are you doing to, you know, kind of help the guy that you just helped get fired? Yeah. You didn't you didn't intentionally design it to do this, but it's a. But have we ever done that in history? No, and I think, when you de- displace it's competition. It's yeah, just like you, you're you're not up with the times. You're you're obsolete. You don't serve a purpose, and, yeah. it's, and it's, that's part of the suicide rate. But. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, you know, we should probably wrap up, but uh, we are thinking of having a series coming up in uh, Advancements in Technology. It's going to be a short little mini-series, uh, about four or five episodes that are going to be coming up a couple weeks uh, from now. And we're going to be talking about AI. We're going to talk about displacement a little bit further, revisit this UBI oh, yeah. uh, again, and uh, just other technical advancements uh, in other industries. So um, any final thoughts for the listeners? Um, UBI is a great concept. Look into it. Let us know what you think. You know, We want to hear what you guys have to say. So um, if you can give us a shout out and talk about UBI and your thoughts and concerns and how automation is going to change different markets in the economy and how it may affect you or someone you know, 
I, we would love to hear your story. Yes, definitely leave us some comments. Uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, other ideas that we may have missed. Uh, we're always a little, you know, off the cuff and, you know, shooting off the hip. But let us know if you see anything that you we didn't touch on. You know, leave, leave in the comments and uh, we'll address that the next episode. So, uh, the Josh and Yash Show, signing off. We out. See ya. of my mind are an enigma. Thanks again, listener, for tuning into the podcast. We do appreciate any comments or feedback on any sort of channels where you're listening to the podcast right now. Actually, this is an interactive experience, so if you are interested in leaving us a voice message, you can download the Anchor app, which is on Apple or Google Store. Once you download the app, you can find us and leave an audio message, which will be played back on the next episode right here, and you'll be featured and you'll be tagged and all that good stuff. So leave us some feedback and also an audio message. It does help us. Again, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you can find us at calendly.com slash jcjstreet32. Again, that's calendly.com slash jcjstreet32. See you next time.